0: boy i love seeing all those smiling faces in the panel here start grooving once we drop the intro music <laughs> our thanks to peter trulin for putting that music together again thank you so much pete um if you don't know When you hear that tune, it means you're in for a treat because it's time for another week of the Wreck Poker Podcast. I'm so excited to be here with the other members of the Wrecking Crew. If you don't know what Wreck Poker is about, we're a very enthusiastic and uh, uh, serious group of amateurs. We love the game of poker. We love studying together. Uh, We love playing together. We celebrate together. We commiserate together. Uh, It's just something that we do each and every day. If you go to Wreck.Poker, you can get a free account. All it takes is an email address and a smile. The unlock the forums the discord server the home games uh, all the free strategy videos all the stuff we do on youtube uh, i just get excited talking about it and i know the rest of the group here does too um, of course because most of what we do is free we're a largely volunteer-based organization i have to thank our sponsors the running aces hotel racetrack and casino they've got some exciting stuff coming up that i'll share some more details with at the end of the episode uh, but thank you to them for their support And uh, like I say, uh, our premium members are such a big part of what we do here. A lot of what we do is free, but we really appreciate the support of our premium members for $15 a month. You can unlock all sorts of amazing groups, social events, obviously a ton of uh, premier training level uh, training material from other websites across the world. Uh, The stuff that we produce here ourselves, discussion groups, study groups, book studies, you name it. Um, if you want to use the code Rec you can get your only your first month for only five bucks. And we've had a few premium members join us uh, since I last grabbed the mic here on Monday night. So I've got to thank uh, Arnold Barron, who I had a fun chat with today, who can't wait to get more involved. And uh, Dana Craven and Scott Pletka. So thank you both. Uh, Thank all three of you so much uh, for getting involved here at Wreck Poker and bumping it up from the community membership to the premium membership. Uh, That's a fantastic decision you've made. And thank you from everyone here on the Wrecking Crew. So I mentioned the Wrecking Crew, that's the group of wizards that make all the magic happen here. Uh, we get a different variety every week. I see we've got a full house tonight because we've got Jamie Staples we're going to be talking to in just a minute. Um, but first, I want to introduce everyone here on the Wrecking Crew, starting with myself, because uh, they gave me the mic on Mondays, I get to go first. My name is Jim Reed, Bluffsterini in the home games, and at, at Poker Jim on Twitter, uh, but like I say, it's not just me. If you want to find out about everyone else on the Wrecking Crew, you can go to wreck.poker slash crew. Uh, but listen up right now, because you're going to meet a few of them here on the air. Um, hi, my name is Ben Enslow. I'm and 96 on Twitch. You guys can find my socials there. And I'm East Coast Bitter in the home game. Glad to be here.
1: And I'm Chris Jones. You can find me 5B5 on Twitter or 5x5 in the Poker Stars home game.
0: My name is Eric Jin. You can find me on the forums as Binkley, C-O-M Binkley in the home games, and Rec Binkley on
2: Twitter. And I'm John Somsky. I am PokerGeekMN everywhere.
3: Uh, my name's Joe Coolis. Um, I am Elvita11 in the home game, and at Joe cool PhD with Cool with a K on Twitter. Cool with a K. I like that. Yeah. I'm uh, Kim Kilroy.
2: I am PatVat33 on the home game, and PatVat33 are Pet that underscore 33 everywhere else.
0: I'm Rob Washam and I'm Rab Man 50, just about everywhere. Isn't that awesome? We got a full house tonight, like I'm saying, because people know when Jamie Staples is coming on the show, we want to get involved. Um, and I know it's it feels like there's a Canadian invasion coming on these days. And I'm not gonna say it's not true. I'm just not gonna say it's not true. Uh we've had some fantastic Canadian guests on recently. There's a lot one a bunch of just amazing Canadian poker players. And uh there, there you go, Kim. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> go representing. So without further ado, uh Jamie, thank you for uh taking some time to come here on the Rec Poker Podcast.
4: It's a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. I, uh, you know, I didn't know what to expect. I haven't seen the podcast before coming in. I didn't, you did not tell me that dancing was required within the first 20 seconds. That's pretty intense. I wasn't ready for that. But no, I, I like the vibe you have set up here. The wrecking crew, I think that's, that's quite a cool, uh, quite a cool thing you got going on here. So it's a pleasure to be here and, uh, yeah, talking poker.
0: Right on, man. Well, it's only the, freaking favorite thing we do i, I you know i joke with uh, this group every once in a while It's like just getting together and talking poker remains like the top of my list it doesn't matter how long we've been doing this when you have good people like this uh, it's just fun to get together and talk poker um why don't we start with that a little bit i mean you've been involved in poker for a long time you've been streaming it seems like forever you've built a real kingdom a real poker streaming kingdom out of this um what what do you still love about poker We'll find out more about your story at first, but now that you've kind of been in it for so long, you've seen so much of poker. What what about the game of poker do you still love? Yeah, it's a good question. It,
4: it's been 12 years since I started playing. I started at 18, I'm um, 31, so maybe 13 years uh, or so since I've been playing. So it's been quite a long time. And think of those early years. I don't know how long you guys have been playing. You can probably empathize with this you know, you find the game, you're like, wow, this is amazing. I'm obsessed, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm in, like, all I'm doing is thinking poker, breathing poker, learning poker, right? Like, that's the experience in those early days. And then I think, you know, when you get like eight, nine, 10 years into the game, like, it's not romantic anymore. It's not as sexy as it once was. It's not like you're waking up on a, on a Saturday and you're like, hmm, let's think about poker. You know, it becomes a more regular part of life uh, just because you have played a lot of hands. Um, So, you know, the love of poker has shifted over time to where in the beginning, it was just like this emotional drive. And now there's the appreciation of the beauty. I think probably the best part about the game of the poker is the universal language of all of us, you know, the nine of us here. In what other game could we come together and talk about sort of a shared thing? And I don't know what your guys' backgrounds are, but when I played at my local casino or I stream on Twitch, you know I'll talk to all sorts of people I'll talk to young people I'll talk to old people of legal age I should clarify <laughs> of legal age <laughs> you know 18 plus people about poker talk to old people talk to people that are uh you know that work typical jobs and people that are extremely successful people that have different sort of uh, political uh feelings people that have different religious feelings and we all come together and we play the same game right and so that's something that i have always loved about poker it allowed me to interact with people i never would have had the chance to interact with when i was 18 19 years old uh in my hometown meeting a ton of people and still to this day i think it's my favorite part that it just brings humanity together i I love that about the game so that's probably my favorite bit
0: awesome and so speaking about your hometowns you grew up in alberta Um, which is actually where my dad was born as well. Uh, We've got a bunch of family out there. Um, It's a cool spot. I know there's some fun casinos out there too. Uh, They've got a WSOP circuit event going on right now in Calgary. I think that some of our members might be enjoying. Um, What was it like growing up in Alberta? Uh, Is that where you got into poker and sort of uh, tell us a little bit about what attracted you to the game in the first place?
4: Yeah. So Lethbridge, Alberta is my hometown, uh, two hours South of Calgary. We do have a small card room, Um, I actually didn't go in there until I was maybe 19 or 20. So poker was something I saw on TV, sort of like everyone else. I maybe was 12 or 13 when I saw it on TV, but I didn't get into the game at that point. You know, I spent maybe one Christmas, like playing some play money. And then that you know, that was it. My true passion growing up was golf. I wanted to be Mm. Tiger Woods. That was Mm. the goal. Uh, I realized right about 18 and right about, when i hit legal drinking age that i wasn't going to be tiger woods uh, that was really <laughs> tough <laughs> to deal with um but i found poker right and like 18 old 18 year old me and i think the reasons why i wanted to become good at golf was not really about getting good at golf it was about you know making something of my life in some sense and poker offered that same sort of appeal right to an 18 year old person it was, it was the money, it was the fame, it was Vegas, it was girls. It was like all these sexy images that are applied to poker were in front of my face on TV. And I was like, wow, okay, let's do that, right? 18-year-old Jamie, loved it. Um, so I found the game there and sort of just like jumped in and started playing free rolls and started, um, you know, uh, learning with whatever sources I could find. Back then, I think it was, I remember Full Tilt Poker Academy. Which like you would do these challenges, and there'd be like little two-minute strategy videos that came along with them. And so I'd do that, and I'd learn through that. Uh, I think I bought a Daniel Negreanu book, like a Small Ball, um, from the local chapters. That was one of my first books. So really, just like kind of dove in. Um, and you know, was arrogant and thought I was good and wasn't very good, and uh, <laughs> you know, I had no business playing, but. I was living at home and it cost nothing. So basically it became my only source of income, sort of quit my job. And that was that. And then built it from there out of kind of stubbornness of like, I told all of my friends that I'm some cool poker pro and like, I can't fail at this because, <laughs> right? because then I'm a failure and I can't deal with that. So I have to actually figure out how to get good at this game. And, uh, I sort of figured it out. So that's the story.
0: Cool, uh, And you sure did, um, what uh what led to the idea of starting to stream and was streaming like the first time that you sort of thought about taking this professionally off the felt if you know what i mean like a difference between being someone who makes their money by their poker winnings as uh, as opposed to someone who makes their money from the world of poker the production of poker the game of poker outside of actual winnings in the game
4: and i've always knew that if I was going to dedicate a lot of my life to something, I wanted to participate beyond just the me part of it, you know, um, which I don't think anyone else has to do. But I always knew I wanted to be part of the industry of poker as well as a player. And so Twitch was a perfect time for me. I dropped out of school about a month before Twitch poker became a thing. Hmm. It's like, OK, I'm going to give poker a, a full time go here. School sort of a holding pattern for me at this point. Like I know what I really want to spend time on. And then Twitch Poker popped up and I had this thought of like, I want to participate in the industry. And, you know, so I saw a post on a poker forum and I signed up and I kind of knew like within my first hour or two of streaming that it was probably going to change my life. Um, Mm. It was just like this, I think I'm good at this. I think I like this. Other people seem to like it. You know, I got up to maybe 25 viewers within the first hour or two. And then I also think that this is going to be worth something to to some companies, probably. So uh, it was kind of that realization that I was like, okay. And then I, I streamed a lot, you know, five, six <laughs> days a week, maybe 50 or 60 hours a week for that first year or so, and just kind of went for it.
0: And we've got one question from the uh, YouTube, or sorry, here, Chris, you unmuted, please jump in.
1: Oh, I was just going to jump in with that because it related to streaming. Uh, Troy uh, on YouTube is, is wondering, um, do you find that uh, having sessions while streaming sort of improves your performance because you have to talk through your spots or is there so much else going on that you got to think about, you know, your Twitch and your chat and your, your that you can't focus on the game as much as it so sort of help or hinder the, your, your level of sort of poker success.
4: It's a good question. Thanks, Troy. Uh, I think it's both. And I'm curious if there's any other streamers that are streaming poker, if you have the same experience. It's like, uh, you know, reading a book out loud, you're going to pay a little bit more attention than if you're reading in your head. It's the same sort of thing, right? Um, What I find when I'm playing poker is that um, when I'm explaining spots that I'm playing, you can come up with lines of logic as to why you're doing what you're doing. But what it does saying it out loud is it makes it very apparent where you're not confident enough, you're like, wait a second, I had to fight to figure out why it is I'm doing that. I need to look into that. So that it's helpful from that perspective for me. But there is the other side, which is like, you're taking a lot of mental energy and effort to take the brain and put it into words. And so that energy means you get tired faster, you know, like you can't play as many tables, it takes a little bit, like anytime I'm talking to the chat, it's time I could be gathering reads on my opponents or I could be playing three more tables or something. So there's a trade-off. I think the trade-off's worth it, usually. It's worth trying. Um, pros and cons.
0: Mm. Yeah, we've we've talked about this before. Uh, some of our Wrecking Crew members uh, do coaching, and one of the things that we recommend to our uh, clients every once in a while is, if you're playing online, record the, st- record the play as though you're streaming. Uh, you mm. know, Sky Matsuhashi refers to this as game tape. And... Yeah verbalize your thoughts and one thing that we've noticed is it's kind of like a a, a bs detector too yes. right it, it yeah. involves a bit of a level of rigor to your thought process where i was like well if if i can't if i can't explain my thought process without kind of, kind of like smiling at myself <laughs> uh-huh. that i know i'm really trying to pull one pull one over um now, now that's kind of what we do because we're not. You know, professional streamers like you with uh, thousands of people uh, hanging on on all of our actions, but that's not really how you started either. Um, what 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 do you credit with sort of whether it was studying or training buddies or coaching? Um, I know it wasn't just that one book you bought. What what do you yeah. credit with sort of your own personal growth in the game of poker as a player?
4: There's been a lot of sources over the years. There's a lot of ways to get better at poker, as as you guys know, and so. And I think I've used them all. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. so, you know, starting with just like clips of video, this is really before YouTube, like there wasn't any YouTube poker content at all at this point. Uh, this would have been 2009, 2010, you know, before Black Friday. So books, uh, podcasts are great. I loved mm-hmm. listening to poker podcasts as I played. Uh, so that was always really useful. Um, forums. And talking to friends, you know, Skype groups was a big part for a couple of years for me staying up. I don't know if people still do that. It's probably Discord now, Um, you know, forums still. And the biggest one for me, I think, was training videos. And the reason why is I was able to hack my brain to where I could watch two hours of these things every single day and enjoy it. And so that's a lot of poker learning, you know, like that's a lot of study time. So that was the one that was easiest for me to spend a lot of time on and, and not really hate it, you know, (laughs) it was quite enjoyable. I'd fall asleep every night watching a training video, wake up, I'd watch a training video while I was eating breakfast, you know, that was kind of, that was it. So I made my biggest gains, I think, in those, those early stages. And then sort of later in my career, you know, individual coaching for sure has helped. It sometimes cost prohibitive, but I think you can get directly at what it is you need to work on um software tools you know so asking questions and getting answers from software tools that's been helpful but i'd say a more advanced sort of thing and and then more most recently is quizzing you know so all these tools that uh allow you you know give you multiple choice or give you some sort of interface to answer it's like you can very quickly get into difficult spots without having to play to find the spots so getting better at poker like choose your own adventure find one that works well for you and there's so many great options out there i think so
0: yeah i love it and i think you know people can get a little paralyzed just by all the different options out there um Mm -hmm. and that's why you know recommendations from friends like we've got a whole we've got a couple groups here at rec poker in our free membership area where people just talk about the different tools that they're using you know make recommendations um got discount codes for some of the paid stuff and things like that. So when you mentioned the forums, I do feel like that's an underrated, even today, people feel like forums have been around a long time, but it's because it works. It's a chance for us to share our ideas and, you know, make ourselves vulnerable and learn from other people's mistakes and not just our own mistakes. Um, So it's nice. It's nice to hear that that was part of your story as well. Um, So we we have a different learning theme every month here at Poker for our premium membership. Uh, The theme in January is multi-way pots. And nice. he's, thank you. Well, actually, I should. It's Chris Jones is the miracle man who puts a lot of our training material uh, together. Good call, so he's, Chris. Been, he, he's been working on this. Uh, um, and it's, you know, we we talk a lot about how, you know, poker is easier to play if you get heads up. You know, you've only got one other person to have to range and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you probably play in player pools that are a little different than the player pools that, that we play in. Um, we tend to see a lot of limping, a lot of multi-way um when in your games do you how important is it to avoid going multi-way is it something that you have to plan around or does it just kind of happen more often because it tends to be a, a more aggressive group that you're playing with yeah so
4: i play in like a a mix of different games you know sometimes i'm playing in the 55 and 100 tournaments and then sometimes it's the 1k tournaments and i think there there's different approaches in those games Mm. Uh this just this past week I played a couple of days of live cash as well at playground, mm. and that's a oh, very that's that's my know. favorite
0: thing to do in the world. Uh yeah. live cash at playground, that's a great combination. Good for you. I'm jealous. I'm so jealous.
4: Damn, we'll we'll meet a playground. We will play, I guarantee you, it'll happen.
0: Looking um, forward to that.
4: So yeah, I think what you have in tournaments often, especially in the higher stakes tournaments where you're playing against good opponents, when you go multi-way the players are are kind of aware of what's going on in these multi-way spots, what theoretically should be happening, you know, what the math says to do in these spots. So there's not so much of like, what do I think I can get my opponent to do? It's more like, what, what is fundamentally sound here?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
4: you know, unless you know something about your opponent where you could, you could make a move on them. So what, what is happening often is like in position is betting really small. We're seeing really small sizings in position. Um, not everyone knows this, but a lot of people know this. Not a lot of people know this at the smaller stakes, I'd say. Mm. So so that's what's happening in the one case. You know, you are three, three ways to flop, checks the button, button's betting 20%, you know, uh, and then it's going from there. I think that if you're in a real loose action game, if you're in a cash game at the casino, like that, that's not going to be the strategy you want to deploy <laughs> for, with very specific hands, you know? Um, I did pull it off it you know last week i had a hand that was sort of okay and we were five ways and it was i think it was like a top pair with a bad kicker and i had five players behind me um but i bet something like 10 into 130 something <laughs> super small right <laughs> and the intention was to get some auto folds to fold their like one over card Sure. Um, and then allow the third and the second pairs to continue and get my value later on in the hand, but thin the field. And it worked. I got two out of the five people to fold, you know, and I got value from worse hands. So you can be creative, right? But I, the one bet size I like in multiway pots, I like the small bet. I think the small mm. bet does wonders. It's really good leverage. So that's always on my mind in multiway pots.
0: Well, I'm going to, this isn't part of the script, the script. Yeah. That's giving us a lot of credit. Uh, But the theme next month is actually bet sizing, specifically uh, C bet sizing on the flop. And I, so I know like when, when players get more advanced, I I like the way that you talked about that, Jamie, where it's like the, the bet sizing that I like, because you're thinking about it in terms of a decision tree where for various circumstances, you'll have like a, a small bet or a big bet. And maybe an overbet or something like that. Sort of thinking about it like a solver does. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, I guess I have two questions. My first question is: How important is it to have kind of set bet sizes in mind? And and is it is it appropriate to just kind of like riff on that when when you're exploiting? And I guess, I guess I don't want it to just be a straight up GTO or exploitative poker. But uh, like, is there something in there that you can speak to?
4: yeah well, I, I think it's a know your audience thing, right? And mm. so it's I'm struggling to answer this question because there is such a wide there's such a wide audience listening to this, you know, some yeah. of you guys are interested in like the intricate bed sizings. and then for some people, it's knowing whether the hand is good or not, you know, right' on this, on this sort of true point. true. And we've all been at all of those stages. Most of us have been at those stages before. Um,
0: so, yeah, what was the question again? I guess just, um, as you, as you progress as a player, Mm -hmm. um, is it important to think about sort of having a few like standard bet sizes that you like to employ or is it just like create as you go based on the strength of your hand and, you know, lick your finger and feel the wind and decide how to go from there?
4: So my, my thinking on it is, um, I think you can be a really successful poker player by feeling the wind, but it's rare. Right. It's really difficult and you need to have a lot of talent and you need to have a lot of experience and you're going to have a lot of hiccups along the way. But you <laughs> you can just be a, you know, intuition type player and have success in certain lineups. However, I think understanding fundamentals and understanding math uh, in spots never makes you worse right? Mm. It it just is going to make you better. And because you don't have to follow these things that you learn and be like, oh, well, that's all I'm going to do. That's how I'm going to play, right? You can understand the theoretics and the baseline, but then, you know, you're playing against someone that's a maniac and you know, you're going to bluff catch, you know? Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter what the solver says. It doesn't matter what you're supposed to do. You know that player, you're going to call, right? Um, But knowing where the line is for when you don't know about someone you know they're a blank slate well playing solid is going to be the right approach um so i think it's always helpful to learn fundamentals for me that's where i spend most of my time because poker is massive it's so difficult Mm -hmm. you know it's such a huge game um so i don't know nearly everything that i need to know and the exploitation comes with experience it comes with understanding human beings the, the human condition how people act in different situations um and that's fun, but, you know, there's not a lot you can do to sit down on a on a Thursday morning and be like, hmm, let's think about the human condition. Let's think <laughs> about what people, are, you know, like that doesn't, uh, you can't do that. But you can learn the math from which you're going to, you're going to deviate against human beings. So that's how I think about it.
0: I think that's a, a great answer. Um, I'm reminded of uh, Jill Burke, who's uh, one of our premium members who I met up with in Vegas last year at the series. And she was kind of berating herself because she had she'd gone with her or she 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 wasn't sure whether she should do what she thought was like the theoretically sound approach in this spot or trust her gut and she didn't want to trust her gut because it wasn't a smart poker it wasn't a brain you know mm. and i remember like what we were talking about i had told her you know at the same time your gut has learned a lot about poker over the last 5 years right like True. just by being on the fundamentals by drilling on that stuff by doing the quizzes by by educating mm. yourself you know, your your uh, your gut is making better decisions. It's trying to tell you different, better, smarter things than it would have a few years ago. And mm-hmm. uh, so I, I like that. I like that idea that we just kind of naturally educate our gut um, as we go. We can trust it a little more, the more experienced we get.
4: Yes, absolutely. Well, that's what it feels like in making poker decisions, I think, too, because you, usually, you often have like competing pieces of information and you're trying to think yes. about how do you value each of these different variables? that have come up to you and determine which is the most important and how important is it? You know, I I had a live hand the other day and I'm going to skip the most, most of the hand industry, but it's a tough spot. I had tens in a three bet pot and the board was nine, seven, five. And I bet, Mm. and my opponent check raised, we don't have much money behind. Right. And this is a spot where if you plug it into a solver, you're going to call and then they shove the turn and then you call. And then that's it. Um, (laughs) Against human beings. If you know something, you can fold (laughs) against some people and against some people you're pumped. Um, and I picked up something, just a tiny thing out of the corner of my eye. And it was just like, well, it was that move, right? But it was just just an ounce of it. Like, well. And to me, when I see well in a live game, it's like, well, what can I do? There's nothing I could have done with this hand. Well, you know, it's like excusing yourself for losing your stack because you made the decision you had to move. You mm-hmm. had you had to make, right? So that's like what I picked up from just just a little bit. So when I'm in my close spot, how much do I wait that little bit? It's it's not super reliable. Is it the most important thing? Is it sort of important? Does it change my decision 2%? Like that's, that's the magic of the game is figuring that out. Um, yeah. So, so the gut's there. How much do you trust it? That's, that's the magic. I don't know.
0: You tell me. (laughs) I love it. That's a great answer. Uh, Joe, cool. You had, you were unmuted there for a sec. Did you want to jump in with something?
3: Well, I was just going to say that I spend most of my days as a psychologist thinking about the human condition, so you you can do it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I I guess one question I had about, because oftentimes, you know, as a psychologist, it's like that, that it's the perception that, oh, well, you're going to have this huge advantage because you're reading people and things like that. And I actually disagree with that concept necessarily because people are pretty good at hiding you know they're people are better at hiding things when they want to and 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 so on but the point of understanding people tends to be the bigger question and, and you know so my understanding of a streamer that you're watching essentially you know this humanity run past you as people post uh vile things to very insightful things how do you manage that concept and, and apply it to your understanding of how people are and how they play poker? That's a complicated question, I know, but does no, that make
4: sense? Yeah, yeah, no, it's a good one. And it's, well, it's a mass, right? um The individual fades away and it becomes a crowd in a sense, right? That's usually how it operates when there's a lot of people there. And so you do get sort of the. Everything plays to the average when you're dealing with 600, 700, 800 people. So a good example, like this is. A slightly dismissive example, but say, hey, where should I go on vacation? You're going to just get the spots that have the most marketing in the (laughs) chat, right? Like the the four spots that people have gone on vacation, they're going to recommend their four spots. So you're really asking like, where's the marketing dollars of vacations based on your guys' demographics, right? You're not actually finding out anything about where is an enjoyable place to vacation. And so it's the same sort of thing with poker hands, which is like, you're just getting you know, I I can't really ask my chat for advice. Not that there isn't really intelligent and incredibly smart people there, but it's like I know I'm getting a subset of of an average answer. And if we're trying to play a game an above average level, then I need to go to an above average source. So so it's like a, a useful tool to understand where where the median sort of answer is, what people's opinions are about things, um, but not usually what I turn to to learn from. Or for self-reflection, because I think it's, it would be too, it's not the right source, you know, you go to your close friends, uh, you go to people that know you sort of uh, closely to get objective answers about stuff like that.
3: Well, I'm just going to follow up real quickly. I think that it's interesting. It's an interesting statement because I think that sometimes you can get, I mean, if you were to wander into the monthly staff meeting that we have, uh, you would get very different reactions in terms of how people actually behave in a a given moment Uh, and I think streamers sometimes because of the range of people that that watch you you may be getting actually a better look at the wide range of how people will react to a uh, a particular hand Uh, and I think uh, because people tend to see things kind of in within their own glass dome and if we only seek out people like ourselves we never really see how other people will actually act in in those various settings. Which is why I think at, you know, NNL, you can still end up with maniac all the way down to old man coffee, uh, (laughs) uh, you know, playing thousands and thousands of hands and never, ever, ever changing exactly what they're doing because they're just different people.
4: Absolutely. Yeah, you are getting both poles represented in that Mm -hmm. in that mass, right? Like that. And that comes through, and it sticks a little bit harder because it's outlandish, you know, and we see that on social media every day, don't we? I sure mean, it's amplified right like the the outlandish stuff because it's different. um so you see that, but then I think the math comes through as well, right, which is like when people are kind of outlandish or different in some way, you can always default to this well, theoretically, we have kind of figured this out, so um, and that's so there's pushback that way. It's hard for like people to shine that our finger in the wind because we can be like, no, look, (laughs) (laughs) Um, that plays a factor too. But I, I love the psychology, sociology, humanity sort of look at like streaming is, is it's weird. It's a weird world, you know, to have like that much feedback from so many people at once. It's a new human phenomenon, I think. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Chris,
1: Yeah, I kind of want to shift gears, Jamie, and just ask you about sort of your perspective on sort of where poker is headed, particularly online poker. I mean, you've been... You've been an ambassador. Um, you're, you know, a, a major streamer, one of the the best known streamers um, out there. Um, and we all know that there, you know, you mentioned some of these tools that people are training with, and some of them are getting better and better. And computing power is getting better and better. And we're hearing about cheating scandals at some of the highest levels. Um, and I'm kind of curious about where you think, particularly, uh, you know, you're talking to a recreational poker audience. And people who just maybe want to go, and they want to get better at the game, and they want to play on Sunday or go play on a Tuesday night online, and feel like they have a chance. And I'm curious about where where you think the health of the game is now, and where you think it might be headed, and what what we can think about where where do you think online poker is is sort of headed in the next few years?
4: Sure. Well, I'll, I'll preface uh, you know s- some caution with I think poker is is as always beautiful. And communities such as this are always valuable and always will be. There'll always be the desire to want to play with groups of people like this in home games and want to compete against other like-minded people that are playing fairly. I think that will always exist, right? Uh, I do think that online poker faces a lot of challenges going forward. Um, there is, of course, the the automation side of things, right? The more we know about the game, like those are challenges that we face to figure out how, how do we ensure that people are following the rules, you know, and people aren't getting unfair advantages. And then also, you know, it's 2023. Poker is no longer the only cool thing that's happening on the internet. Like it was mm. in 2001, you know, like mm-hmm. we compete against Netflix. We compete against CSGO and Valorant. Uh, we compete against social media and against TikTok. It's like, you know, we need to innovate a lot. We need to evolve. And so I haven't seen that in poker. I'm not suggesting that we need to change the format of Nolan Hold'em, but if you take a look at the top 50 apps in the app store on either phone and all of the sort of features they have to gamify their experience and make it enjoyable and fun. And then you look at our largest poker companies in the world, including the one I'm with, Party Poker, how many of them have tried to do that with poker? The answer is zero. Mm. Right um we've kind of really focused on poker as a as a sport almost at the highest levels and we've left out the fun which i think is really important so we need to innovate we need to continue to strive to keep games safe and fair uh and i know people care about this um and so the game is beautiful enough it'll exist into the future but it's an uphill battle into upwinds and we need strong leaders to push the game forward so It's a mixed bag, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, some good and some bad news.
0: I think, I think you're really right though, that there's room in the poker world for both the sport and the game aspects of it. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't think that it has to be one or the other. I think it's a big world poker has a lot of different kinds of fans that enjoy different parts of it. And, um, I, I think that's, that's a good way of thinking about it. Um, and you know, there's, there's different. Companies with different experiences, you know, even in live games, uh, you know, there's different kinds of tours, those that are more recreationally based or mo- those that are more like out there for the grinder. Um, mm-hmm. And so part of this is just like choosing your company, right? Choosing the the party that you're going to that you're going to be with that, or your community or your uh, your yeah. uh, uh, your association like that. So I think that's that's a great answer, too.
4: I like that um, placement, the party, the the party <laughs> poker party that you, that yeah, you can right. I'm with party poker. We gotta get it out there.
0: Yeah. If, if I was <laughs> listening. I was listening earlier.
4: <laughs> if I can uh if I can use an example I sometimes put on my stream, I I, sure. I think we need to expand the definition of what success is in poker and why people play poker. Mm. Um so you know, I i think take golf for example, because I want it to be Tiger Woods, you know. Uh, What percentage of the world goes out on the golf course and uh, it's a waste of their time if they don't come home with more money than than when they went Mm -hmm. to the course with? Mm -hmm. Well, none, right? There is merit just in playing golf and in trying to get better at golf. And people spend money on lessons to get better at golf. And they improve at golf, but they're never going to make money at golf. And that's not a shameful experience, right? And so I think the way that poker is sort of portrayed is that it is all around this financial leaderboard. Uh, And that's fine. And that should always exist because it's fun and interesting, right? But there can be alternative things that are motivating to play for that don't cheapen the game. They just broaden it, right? And you can look to play money ecosystems uh, from all the biggest poker companies in the world. And a lot of them are huge businesses where people will buy play chips and they'll never play for real money ever. And that is their poker experience for the whole life, you know, and they've been playing for 10 years plus play money. We need to do more of that. We need to broaden the horizons of poker especially for guys like me to continue to exist. Cuz if it's <laughs> shameful if it's shameful to lose a couple buy-ins and then you're wasting your time the community says like oh you're a fish. Well then, you know, uh, I'm a dying breed. Um but if we take ourselves seriously of like hey, you know, as long as you play within your limits and affordably and you want to work hard towards something and it costs you 500 bucks a year to do that, Mm-hmm. There shouldn't be, um, you know, shame attached to that, like there kind of is in some communities. So broader perspective, I think, on what it is we're doing here and how valuable it is to play poker.
0: Yeah, we. I do talk about that from time to time is the difference between a bankroll and a budget. You know, no yeah. one has a, a, a movie theater bankroll. no no one goes to the movies twice a month and then is upset later when there's less money in their account than there was at the beginning of the month because they went out and did this thing that they enjoy um because it's it's something that we we get pleasure from we get value from it um and if it and if we pay a little money for to play this hobby that we love then that's valuable too um so i really like that approach of kind of thinking about the different aims that people have uh for it so if uh, if you're type if you're in the YouTube chat here, feel free to enter another question or two. We're gonna let Jamie go shortly. Uh ditto for the panel here. I see uh our our mutual friend. I'm using friend loosely. Uh Philip Razor is here in the chat. Of uh course. Good, PSR. Good old, yeah, of, of course he is, PSR from Love Twitter. PSR. Yeah, he's a character. Um he just wants us to know that he's here and we can officially start the show now. So yeah, thanks, <laughs> Phil. Appreciate that. Uh we got. Uh, I like that you're talking about golf, too, because I, I also grew up with golf, and I think it's an excellent corollary for poker. Um, the mental game, you know, minimizing mistakes, all that all that kind of stuff, you against the course. Um, there's a comment here from uh, Troy Chapman, again, uh, coming in from Australia, saying that uh, the feedback loop for poker is almost infinitely long, whereas the feedback loop for golf is almost immediate, mm-hmm. um, which is it's just a really good point. And although I mean, golf is another one of those games that it takes a while to get beyond playing whack darn um, and actually playing golf itself. But um, I I think that is a good point. And like Jamie will back me up here. Not no one in this room is going to play enough hands of poker to actually reach the long term. You know, we're we're going to be subject to variance and luck a little bit over the course of our careers.
4: A hundred percent. Yeah. That's that's the thing that makes poker so great is like this uncertainty. And the thing that makes it so maddening uh and difficult and why we frame things around like big prize pools and guarantees, because mm-hmm. it's just like you can't you can't rely on what happens as to whether you did a good thing or not. So, you know, I I feel like, you know, even the best players in the world are still tricked by it every, every day, you know. Like they yeah. just look at results and they're just like, What a good play by me. And it's just like, well, <laughs> oh, actually. It was just a normal play. You know, you don't deserve any pats on the back, but congrats on winning the pot. You know, yeah, we're all still tricked right. by it. So, <laughs> uh,
0: so I wanted to just shout out some great comments here in the chat. Um, so Flaneky says it's the first time he's caught the group live. Usually listens on Spotify. Nice to see Jamie here and love the podcast. Um, uh, let me see if we can just skip right past Phil. Um, Gabrielle Marino, uh, <laughs> says hi from Ovale in Chile. we got another international viewer, Australia, Chile, uh, Canada, the United States. we got a few people, uh, punching in here. Jack LaRue says, Jamie, my favorite Canadian. Sorry, Jim, Jack. <laughs> oh, and we wow. were such good friends. Wow. Uh, blue lives matter calling in from California, uh, just with a wave and a hello. um, a one, oh, one question from Blue Lies here is, is Jamie going to play the 2023 WSOP main event?
4: Don't think so. I think I'm focusing on online and streaming as much as I can. Um, and maybe some live poker content. But if that's the case, it'll be a playground because I'm mm. 15 minutes away. So, Yeah, baby. Yes.
0: That's amazing. Such a great spot. I'm so jealous. All right. Great. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess my last question if uh, we don't have any others from the group here is uh, you, like like Chris mentioned, you're speaking to a largely recreational uh, group here so, some are very serious and accomplished poker players, but we have other jobs in our lives and this isn't mm-hmm. sort of how we make our money um but a lot of our a lot of our listeners are kind of coming up the ropes from beginner to novice to intermediary um what are what are a couple just quick? low-hanging fruit tips like a couple mistakes that you think are typical of recreational players that you feel like if people just did x or y they could probably um, improve their results a little bit
4: okay yeah good question I would start with what's the most likely thing that's going to allow you to fail in poker what's the Mm. number one thing that I see And I think it's people being impatient, playing too Mm -hmm. high, too quickly, needing to get into the games where it's like for an exciting amount of money for your real life. And if you have (laughs) a job where you make a decent amount of money, then you're playing pretty big and you're not winning there yet if you're new at poker. And so, so, like, I've been playing for 13 years. I see myself playing for the next 30 uh this is a game that's for a lifetime you don't need to get to where it's exciting right now and that's mostly where people fail too high too quickly they fail it gets too expensive and then they're out they're not having fun anymore i'm done so be patient i think is is really important um and then the second thing is like the biggest leak early early days is playing too many hands yeah it's just like it it, poker is not quick it's methodical, it's Zen, it's slow. And sometimes you get to play eight or nine hands in an hour, but then sometimes you only get to play one or two if you were talking about a live experience. And that's just how the game works, you know? And you're the people in the game will call you a nit. The people will sit beside you and they'll razz you because they're feeling <laughs> self-conscious about how many hands they're playing. They don't like you playing so tight because they're not playing tight. They don't want to play tight because they're there to play poker. <laughs> but just, you know, you don't got to play every hand uh, you can talk a bunch and it'll sound like you're playing every hand and just, you know, be patient. So, um, Good. I would say those are two like useful tips for beginner, intermediate, and, uh, and it should help you in your, your journey. Journeys. That's
0: awesome. Thanks, Jamie. Um, Stu carriage says, hi, Jamie from Halliburton. Um, you got some fans here in the rec poker, uh, YouTube, uh, group. No, no shock there. Um, so Jamie, before we let you go, um <clears throat> we're going to do our food bank uh support drive contest here after after you go so folks um get ready to start typing the words food bank into the chat and we'll do our little raffle for a prize later um before we do that Jamie what's the what's the best way a for people to check you out and see your work and learn from what you're doing and have fun with you uh as you perform and as you stream on Twitch and then b uh, what's your preferred way for people to reach out and and say hi and and to thank you for what you're doing and that kind of thing?
4: Cheers! Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on. This was a lot of fun. It was a pleasure hmm. to to uh, see all of you and talk and yes. talk poker. It's always fun. I'd be happy to come back. Anytime. You let me know. Oh, careful.
0: Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll put the hook out there. We'll we'll reel you in Jamie. Careful now.
4: You're entering a world of pain, brother. <laughs> um in terms of where people can watch me, it really depends how much time you want to spend watching poker because I'm I'm kind of everywhere. So, if you have a lot of time, you can find me on Twitch and I do 8 or 9 hour streams so you can pop in. I'm live, we're playing poker, we can talk. You know, it's a 4 minute delay. So, I'm playing four minutes in the past, but you ask a question in chat. I'll see it. I can respond. So we can talk about poker, talk about whatever. It's a really chill spot. If you have a little bit less time in, in your life and you're a little bit more busy, you can always check me out on YouTube or Facebook, uh, YouTube, couple videos a week, Facebook content every single day. Um, so I'm active there. And then if you have a very short amount of time, like one minute bursts, you basically only get to play poker on the toilet or something. <laughs> you can go to Instagram uh Instagram or Facebook verticals or YouTube verticals, I have a bunch of like 30, 40 second highlight clips. So basically you decide how much poker you want in your life and then come to me. That's it. Poker <laughs> staples it. everywhere.
0: Yeah, poker staples. That was that's the magic word. So whether it's uh over at Twitch or uh on Facebook, uh you can have access to the one and only Jamie Staples behind the scenes in person, um, working his magic there. Uh, All right. Well, uh, again, I just some very complimentary comments from the YouTube chat here. Obviously, you've made an impression on our listeners. And I just wanted to say thanks again, Jamie. And we are definitely going to be pulling you in here for another talk one of these days. And uh, there's also a rumor. I don't want to I'm not going to announce anything official, but there's a rumor that we might be doing a rec poker road trip up to playground sometime this spring. And if we do... Uh, you'll get, you'll get the first call and you can, uh, go show us some, some cool stuff to do there. And, uh, I'd love to get together in person and buy you a beer or something fun, um, in one of my favorite cities of the world. So we've got we're a lot to, have to play some to. poker.
4: I think, I think I, we if might come We might have to play some poker at playground. That might be fun. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, I love it. It was a pleasure guys. Thank you. It was a lot of fun and I'm serious. Hit me up. I mean, I can, I can chat poker for 20 minutes every once in a while. I'm in, <laughs> I'll
0: be back. All right. I'll we're going to bring him back for a forums edition. We'll talk some strategy one of these days real soon. All right. Thank you again, awesome. JV. Uh, you, guys. you are the man. Have a great week. Bye. All right. So I see we've started to get some people typing food bank into the chat. Um, why don't we, uh, why don't we start? Uh, should we start with that? Chris, do you want, do you have your magical die ready to go? Has it been, has it been like, wait, I'm not ready to
1: label the been- magical, but I have two dice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that I can roll. I need it to get like measured on in some sort of spectrometer or something where we can like make sure that there's no heavy sides or anything. If we see a six tonight, I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna get Poppy on the phone. Six is the new one. Yeah, it six is. Six is the new one. Okay, it's, it's, it's extremes. Well. We we only live in extremes here.
2: So we only have five people there who have typed in the word food bank. <laughs> so I believe
1: oh, oh. six. Nope, there's
0: no, no.
2: Phil, Phil ruined. Phil, it. Phil ruined ruins everything. <laughs> <it.
0: laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's 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 start with the uh with the draw. So um looking in it here, um I see Jim Gibson first, uh Flanecki, Stu, Arnold, Jack, and uh Phil. Is that right, what you Phil. see as well, yeah. Chris? Yeah, that's okay. what I see.
1: So we're really we, we really are hoping against the six then. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah that's right that's right oh, oh wait, we got wait, a seven wait, 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 wait we got a seven, seven. Wait, 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 we got wait, wait, mary, wait, wait. mary mccune it was like
1: i was i was gearing up here. Oh, yeah, he okay. was
0: ready he was ready uh so do you have
1: are an we... eight sided
0: or what are we doing here i have a What's six
1: the... and a ten so what what we just uh re-roll if we get an eight through zero
0: i think yep. that's the best way okay I think that's the best way all right all right let's see am i rolling let's... am i rolling let's do it yeah man i want to see Okay, it's an eight, so I'm re-rolling. Reroll.
1: Uh, it's
0: a seven. We have seven, right? Oh, seven. Yeah, seven. that's that's Mary. Okay, All congratulations. Right. So, Mary McCune. Um, Mary is actually already a premium member here at Rec Poker. Um, so the the one free uh, month, the the one free prize that they could have gotten would be a Troy kid, in they're just a just to mess with us at the end, Troy Chapman.
1: Um, I was already cut off at that point. Yeah, sorry,
0: Troy. Uh, <laughs> um, so, uh, Mary, you've won instead either a fifteen dollars coaching credit uh, that you can apply to any of the amazing uh, material that happens in the Rec Poker shop, um, or you can use it as to take your seat in our deep dive seminar, play along seminar with Chris Jones and Darro Kearney every month. Uh, but, Mary, what really matters is that you just send me an email, Jim at rec and uh, I'll figure out with you the best way to to claim that prize. And I know you know that email because I was just talking with Mary earlier today. Um well, a fantastic uh new premium member here, Rick Poker, who's been really getting a lot out of the the book study and some of the stuff like that.
1: And I'll just ask also add while this is all going on in the chat, uh Jim Gibson, Gibber, has uh put a stake out claim that he's gonna oh. come to Canada if there's a road trip. So here we yeah. go.
0: Yeah. I love that. Jim, you would fit in, man. You would have a great time up here at Playground. And, and it would be nice to get the real gym north of the border, finally, you know, because uh, they're putting up with me up here. Jim Light. We need some we need some giver, uh north of the 44th. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, yeah. So Phil's been bamboozled again. Excellent. We did that on purpose, Phil. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, so let's see. Oh, thanks, Troy. That's some really nice comments in here. The deep dive is a bargain. Yeah, the deep dive play along seminar is probably the the thing that that we're most proud of here at uh, at Rec Poker. This is Chris's monthly seminar on the theme of the month. Um, it's a great opportunity to play with some premium members. Uh, your cards are exposed. Chris puts some notes together based on that. He and Darrow Carney get together off the felt and uh, put it through a solver. Do some fun uh, analysis and then you get your own play uh, analyzed by Chris Jones and Daryl Carney. So how could that how could that be? uh, How could it be better than that? Um, Troy also says that, uh, yeah, he's going to be down in Vegas himself in April or May, late April, early May. So if people have some travel plans, don't be shy. There's a forum uh, here that Kim Kilroy is uh, in charge of called the Poker Travel and Adventures Forum. And if people are, and I mean, WSOP is right around the corner. If people are thinking about making travel plans, that's a great place to post some questions or to post some dates where, uh, you might be thinking about going when you might be thinking about traveling. I know we've used that in the past to make roommate arrangements with other rec poker members. Like I know those hotel rooms in Vegas aren't particularly cheap from the end of May till mid July. So, uh, maybe you can find someone else who's got two Queens and you can, uh, uh buddy up for a few days and save some save some bucks that would be nice um yeah phil <laughs> phil says he'd come up to canada too but the last time he was there there was an incident i told you we weren't going to talk about that on the air phil god okay yeah you'll have to you'll have to follow us on twitter if you want to get more phil razor content in your uh in your timeline <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, that's the draw. Uh we've got some exciting stuff coming up. I do want to talk about some cool stuff that we're doing with running aces um coming up as well. But first, uh John Somsky, why don't you take us through some local some recent uh, home game results and we can uh celebrate some victories here?
2: Well, we had our first Nolan Holdem championship game this week. And Oki 3791 ah, nice. won the their very first event ever with Rec Poker, and they chose a good one.
0: They did. Nicely done. I don't know who that is, but I'm not going to dox them on the show. But congratulations, Oki.
2: Then uh, M. Babker, Michael Babker, got his first nightly victory for the year. East Coast bidder Ben Enslow got his first nightly victory for the year. John nice. Lutze, John Lutze got his first nightly victory. Jay Mayusa Junemoto yeah. got his first nightly victory for the year.
0: Well, oh, They give made their th- name public. They've they've yes. been a, a mystery for a while so far. So congratulations uh, Jamie uh, Yusa. Well and give, give that name Junimoto. Okay, congratulations Junimoto. Congratulations. That's fantastic. Uh
2: giver 3. Jim Gibson, the real Jim, yep. Yep. got his first nightly victory. And almost everyone gets their first nightly victory because we're still in January. here. <laughs> um, K-Poker Wannabe, Rodden Payton, got his first daily mixed practice victory nice. for the year. Kelly S, 1962-20, go. got her first international victory for year. Congrats, Kelly. Jay Sedum, Jeff S, got his first international victory for the year. And Bagman, 733. 23 got his or her very first wreck poker victory ever for the LPP event. So ah. he or her can contact Jim at Rec poker for his free month at learn pro poker.
0: Yeah. You're going to love it. There's so many great uh, videos there. One-to-one access with Ryan, the plant uh, it's a fantastic uh, offering over at learn pro poker. So yeah, if you win the Sunday night, they're free to enter, folks. We run this tournament every Sunday night. It's free to enter. The winner gets a free month at Learn Pro Poker. So go go check that out. And uh, hey, what John? What was the night that Okie won again? Do you remember what uh, night that was?
2: That was last night.
0: Oh, Okie, J-
2: January fourth.
0: January fourth. Okay, I think I was actually at their table. Um, I don't remember. Anyway, okay. Well, congratulations to Okie. And uh, everyone else who rounds out the the winner circle, there that's fantastic. Some uh, nice to see some people earning some pins. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be busy at the post office a little later. Got a few people uh, or- ordering their pins too. They said I've won enough of these pins. You are mailing me these pins, sir. Uh, so yeah, if anyone else wants to, we just ask that you cover the shipping and handling. If you go to rec slash shop, you can see a spot for pins and patches and other fun stuff like that. You can't buy the pins. Because the pins can only be earned, uh, but if you have earned any pins through your victories, then uh, go check out that page in the shop. Just cover the shipping and handling, and I'll, uh, I'll toddle on down to the post office and get that in the mail to you. And if you live close to Coburg, Ontario, <laughs> I'll just meet you up for a coffee or something nearby. But no one lives close to Coburg, Ontario, <laughs> just... or
1: or you'll bring them on one of the road trips. Maybe that, that yeah, like come to one good of the point. road trips. Yeah, I will.
0: Yeah. I will bring him to the road trip. So, if we do end up doing this uh, springtime trip to Playground, that would be a good one too.
1: Well, you know,
2: it, it's been a while since we talked about the rules surrounding these pins. So, oh, yeah. Last year, we had 546 tournaments in which oh, you could God. win a pin.
0: That's, that's, that's just so impressive, John, when we consider that when you started this, there were 12, 12 yes. annual tournaments.
2: 12. Yes. I signed up for 12, got suckered into 546.
0: He, that's a so, true story, folks. He signed up for 12. When he took on this job as the head of the home game uh, league here, it was 12 tournaments. Okay, all right, I'll stop harping on that. But okay. we're so, so grateful that you're here, your John. Thank you.
2: Anyway, <laughs> if you win one of the tournaments, you get a bronze pin. And you can win one for each series. So you could win up to 3 bronze pins in a year, one for the no limit holdem series, one for the mixed game series and one for the daily series. The daily series has lots of different tournaments but you can still only win one bronze pin per year. Then we have our silver pins and you can win one pin of each type. So if you win a tournament of champions for the uh any of the series, you can win one of those. There are mul- there are 12 Daily series tournament of champions each year, but you can still only win one silver pin for that. And then, of course, we are we have a few other tournaments where you can win a pin as well. But so once you rack up a few of these, then you contact Jim, you have to pay the post to do Jim handling, but you can get your pins and then put them on your hats and you can wear them. And none of my pins have any asterisks associated <laughs> with them. So, uh, Go ahead and play with this. It's a lot of fun
0: <laughs> it is it is a lot of fun and I know uh uh John, who's a programmer by nature um has a lot of he's tracking a lot of the stats and like who's earned what and other stuff like that behind the scenes so truly, my hat goes off to you John uh for all the work that you're doing putting this together and um I know you've got some exciting plans to share some of that data with people uh later on this year as well so so that'll be fun. Um, but yeah, get, go, come get your pins. I see when I, when I do go on the rec poker road trips, um, I see people with the, with the pins uh, representing on the hat or on their uh, sweatshirt or something like that. It, it just put, puts the smile on my face. It's great to see people out there repping the brand and, uh, and showing the pride in their victory. I mean, there, there are no soft seats left in these home games. I mean, the, the Saturday morning international series, it's a smaller field. So that's that's a if you if you're if you're desperate for a pin, that's probably your best bet. Get in there on Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon. I'm We're always I'm always desperate for a pin, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're always in that Saturday morning. Ben, so. <laughs>
1: Well, the real key is to get into one of these tournaments where the poker stars has shuts it down and there's only like two of you in it, right? That's and that's, that's, the, that's, my,
0: that's the Jim Reed special. That's my trick. Yeah. Two of my pins have asterisks um, <laughs> and and I I wear them proudly. Darn it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that is the real trick. If you can get in there on the g- game selection. I mean, we game talk selection. about this all the time. Right. It's point. an important part of your poker success. Game selection. You got to chase those asterisks. Um, all right. Uh, Well, we've got some fun stuff coming up. I don't want to tease any details yet because we've we've got a planning meeting tonight. We've got to go over some uh, details and see how everything's going to fit together. But starting in February, we've got some cool stuff coming, Um, some changes to uh, the schedule, adding a couple new events. Um, We're going to be putting a little more of an emphasis on uh, uh, bringing people along on their poker journey. I think over the years, as the Wrecking Crew has kind of gotten more advanced ourselves, we've started talking more as though we're speaking to uh, more accomplished players. And I think we're going to take an emphasis of kind of um, remembering that a lot of people maybe don't know what all this terminology is and uh, that don't, you know, really have time in their game for looking at solvers and that kind of thing. So I think there'll be a bit of a point of emphasis going forward on welcoming uh, more beginner and intermediate players into our conversations, which I'm excited for. We've got some cool tools and features to work on that. is there anything that the group here wants to mention to our listeners before we round out the show? I think we've got uh, a brand spanking new year ahead of us. I can't believe it's already January 9th at the time this is recording. If uh, if folks are listening at home, I encourage you to come on down on Monday night, 7.30 Eastern on YouTube. We record the show every week, and uh, it's a lot of fun. You can uh, enter your questions into the chat. You can... Um, who win a prize just for showing up. Uh, maybe we'll, you know, Jamie Staples might say your name on the air or something cool like that. You never know what will happen. Uh, Jack LaRue types into the chat here and says, the International are a small field but a tougher game. I believe that because that's like we got some diehards in there. There's not a lot of like casual players jumping into that Saturday morning game, so that makes a lot of sense.
2: Well, I, I think it it is definitely a tougher field because I rarely
0: ever play it. <laughs> It's <laughs> such a classic John Sofsky line. <laughs> um, all right. Is there anything else that uh, that we should mention to our listeners before we close this baby out? Doesn't look like it. All right. Well, then, um, I really want to thank everyone who is typing away in the YouTube chat. This is just so much more fun when people join here. So Troy, uh, Blue, Jack, Martha, uh, Gabrielle calling in from Chile. That's so cool. Um, Phil uh Flinecki, thanks for joining us this week flaneki Stu, um i'm gonna give Somsky a shout out just because he did technically type into the chat uh let me see arnold welcome man it was great chatting with you today thanks for joining us uh the real jim gibson uh ben enslow is in there yeah that's right let's get j squared that's what we're talking about jim squared let's get jim gibson up here north of the border and uh have some fun over at the playground um oh uh, yeah thanks you too Stuart. okay so um and of course john somsky eric Jin, kim kilroy joe coolis uh, ben enslow rob Washam, and chris jones we could not do this without you and the other members of the wrecking crew jamie staples what a great guest i had a lot of fun with him and of course the running aces hotel racetrack and casino and they've got some fun stuff coming up we'll get into it next week but on january 28th hockey day tree roll you don't want to miss that all right listeners thank you for all you do <laughs>